I get so much out of my AMA membership. My favorite part is the networking and connections I have made within the marketing community. I feel so fortunate to have the opportunity to build relationships with like-minded professionals in the capital region. Welcome to the New York Capital Region American Marketing Association podcast. I'm Tom Torello. Today, Blaze Bryant and I will be speaking with Molly Young, founding principal of NameTag International, a global naming and brand strategy firm. Molly will be giving a talk for the AMA on January 13th at 1 p.m. entitled Winning the Name Game, How to Create Unforgettable Names. You can get more details and register for this online event at amanycapital.org. That's all one word, amanycapital.org slash events. Thank you for joining us today, Molly. You're welcome, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here with you and Blaze. Um, so, so you I'll, founded NameTag International. Well, go ahead, Blaze. No, that's okay. The, the beauty of doing the podcast in two different places, we trip over each other. Uh, <laughs> I'll let you go ahead. Okay. Uh, I thought we'd just start off with uh, getting some information about, about uh, your organization. You founded NameTag International more than 30 years ago. You've got a really impressive, impressive client list of some of the biggest names in the industry, including McDonald's, Pfizer, Procter & Gamble. Give us a little about your professional background and how you came to found NameTag International. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'd be happy to. And again, thanks for having me today. Um, so the company is, I founded the company a long, long time ago, as you mentioned, Tom, over 30 years ago. And I was actually working in the advertising agency business at the time. And a number of our clients, some were restaurant clients, including something called Perkins restaurant chain, which uh, is around the country and still in existence today, had a number of different well, names. I've been to a few Perkins in my day. Absolutely. As have I. Yeah, absolutely. And what was your favorite thing on the menu? Do you remember? Oh, dessert. Always not. dessert at Perkins. Well, yeah, yeah. The, the <laughs> tiramisu. Uh -huh. Don't they have this really good tiramisu there? Well, they do, but I was hoping you would say Granny's Country Omelet, because that was the very first name oh. that I worked on. <laughs> worked second favorite. I'm sure I enjoyed that too, but I'm a dessert guy. Yeah. What can I tell you? <laughs> well, okay. Sorry to interrupt, Molly, but, but uh, I have fond memories of Yes, that. absolutely. Absolutely. So that was what was fun, Tom, is that we were working with clients that needed some naming help. And this was long before there were actual companies that were 100% dedicated to naming. And our agency was given that opportunity. And it happened to be assignments that I found myself working on very frequently and loved it, loved the idea of marketing. And for me, what was really going to be that fundamental element that you could capture someone's interest. And that's naming. So I began to research that, think about what you could do with that as a company. I have an entrepreneurial background and always knew that at some point I would be running my own business, not knowing exactly what that would be. But much like you've heard from many people, uh, if you pay attention to what you love <laughs> and you're willing to work super, super hard for very little money in the beginning, uh, you go for it. So that's exactly what I did. 
in starting the company and uh, have been able to continue to do something that honestly, I truly love and have great passion for every single day. And that's how the story began. And it's been a fun one. Was your favorite song growing up the name game? (laughs) No, but my favorite show was Name That Tune. (laughs) Uh Aha. Tom and I will spare you the singing, but... (laughs) Why is naming so important? Mm, That's really a great question, Blaze. So, So here's why we feel it's so important. It's truly the one thing that if you do it properly and you make sure that you have a great trademark protection, it's the one thing that your competitors can't copy, can't steal, can't try to get close to. It's that one thing that can really set you apart in a highly differentiated way. And again, if you do it well in the beginning, it's the one thing that you really never have to change about your organization. You might want to change your tagline. You might want to refresh your logo. You might want to do a number of different things. But if you pick the right name from the beginning, it can really deliver incredible power year after year after year. And ultimately, let's say you've started your own company, Blaze, and you've named it something spectacular. If you've done it properly and protected it, it can actually bring you more financial gain if you choose to sell your organization. So it's pretty critical. Molly, how much of choosing a name for a business or a product would you say is science and how much of it is art and creativity? Mm, it's both. It, it really is both because here's the reality with naming. There's an art and a science to it. There's a science in the sense I've mentioned the word trademark a number of different times. It, you can have the most fabulously creative name that everyone loves, but if you cannot trademark it, it's a horrible name. So you need to go through the steps, the scientific, if you will, legal steps to make sure that your name is ownable and protectable. And that's imperative. The voice of customer in picking a name, you might argue is science, and it's true. It's important to make sure that when you're naming something, let's say you're naming a new automobile and you're targeting an 18-year-old market, you want to know what that name says to them. What emotion does it convey? What expectation do they have if they jump in that vehicle? How do you want them to feel? So you want to validate that. You want to bring in voice of customer, which is science. The art piece is making sure that that name sparks a story, has a creative platform. So as marketers, that brand can be built. So that might be a situation where Maybe the easiest get of a name with testing is highly descriptive. And that might say, yes, science says, well, 100 consumers said, I understand it immediately. But that may not be the best name to pick. The art part is, where does the story come in? How can you bring something to life with a feeling, a message, an emotion that can bring it together? So it truly is a blend of both. Are you also developing sort of creative and taglines around that name at the same time to say, all right, if we're going to put the name out there, let's try it in a tagline or a phrase and see how it's going to work and and are sort of testing that at the same time? You know, it's interesting, Tom, because two things. One is you can dress up a really bad name with great design. (laughs) (laughs) And so 
We strongly recommend on the visual design piece, not do any logo work until you know if your name is 100% strong and validated. So specifically to a tagline, it's really the same thing. You want to be able to make sure that that name as a standalone has all the power and the strength of conveying a message, conveying a story before you add anything to it. So that's how we do it. So we do the naming first, make sure that it's delivering what it needs to. It creates that creative platform and a story. And then if, and only if it needs a tagline, needs meaning to help launch it, to send a message that's broader than what the word is represented in the name, then you create the tagline to, uh, to go along with that. So Blaze Bryant here with Tom Torello as we are co-hosting our Capital Marketer Podcast. Molly Young joins us, the founder, founding principal of Nametag International. I feel like sometimes we're taught or we're at least given the advice of get your, get your foundation and then do your name. Um, when did you and how did you figure out that you've got to do the name first? Well, um, if you are talking, Blaze, in that example of foundation, if you're talking about your strategic direction, is that what you mean by foundation? Yeah, so that you have the, the building blocks, you, you, lay out the, you lay out the groundwork, and then you start building the house on the foundation. You're not sure what to, what to call this. Um, maybe this is just my background as a musician where I had, you know, back when I wrote sappy, stupid love songs as a teenager, I would write out the, I'd write out the song first and then I'd put a name on it. And I, I've kind of taken that approach to marketing. So maybe I've been wrong this whole time. <laughs> so tell me why, mm -hmm. tell me why I'm wrong. And when did you figure out that this is kind of a, a wrong approach in general terms? Well, you know what, Blaze, you're not wrong. You're absolutely right. Because it's important to know, or at least have some idea of where you're going. If you think about that and where you're going in a business strategy of why are you creating this business? What do you want to do with it? It can be very, very broad, but at least it's a roadmap of, of where you're trying to go. And then you can think about what do you want people to think about and feel when they see or hear your name. That's where we start. Sometimes this strategy on a product or a company is super, super clear. There's a very detailed business strategy of we're going into this market. We want to get this kind of consumer. We want them to feel X. And sometimes it's super clear. And that's your roadmap for what type of name you want to develop. But other times, particularly if people are just starting out and getting their business going, they're not 100% sure exactly all the things they will do and don't want to necessarily limit it to one, two or three things or products. So in that case, your roadmap is you need a name that is going to be more open, more flexible, less descriptive, that you can sort of grow into it, if you will. So think about even... Um, uh, Jeff Bezos with Amazon. So you may know this, but the, the name that the original name of Amazon was Kadabra with this concept of, of Abracadabra. 
And the thinking was going to be making this impossible happen. Well, the reason the name was changed to Amazon wasn't necessarily that the roadmap changed. He launched as, as uh, Cadabra, started as we all know in, in the book selling business, but wanted to expand it. But in hearing from his customer base, the voice of consumer, people were hearing the word cadaver and thinking about something that wasn't alive. <laughs> so it's like, Darn, I better change that name. So it's all, it's all of that type of thing. You can start, you can pivot, you can move, but uh, getting an idea of where you're heading, your idea of where you started, Blaze, it was great because you said, Sappy Love Song. Well, that's where you started. So that's where you were heading. Yeah. Now I have the Harry Potter books in my head and where you have, and I, being completely blind, I read them on tape because it's just too many pages in Braille. The books are too thick. Mm -hmm. I hear the narrator in my head saying right now, Abracadabra, you know, waving the magic wand. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I want, you know, now thinking about the Abracadabra, Jeff Bezos thing. Mm -hmm. Uh which is very interesting how it went from that to the rainforest to or the, the, the naming convention of the rainforest to uh -huh. what it is today. Exactly. Exactly. Molly, when, when clients come to you, where are they usually in, in their product development process? Is the name sort of, as Blaze was saying, really the last step or are they involving you earlier in the process mm -hmm. um, so that you're seeing the, the creation of this product and, and does that help you with with helping them come up with a name mm -hmm. it happens tom at all different levels there are times let's say in the pharmaceutical industry which we know in the northeast lots of activity there and obviously particularly now we are typically brought in very early. So if there's a molecule that they hope will be preventative, let's say in a cardiology area, we're brought in early to do the naming three to five years out of launch. In the case of uh, Beneful Dog Food for Purina, they had an idea that they brought in from the United Kingdom of a new product that could be uh, appeasing a guilty pet owner who at, whom at the time was leaving their animals alone and they were feeling guilty that they weren't spending enough time with them and wanted to bring more to them, sort of that pet parent type of feeling. So creating a product that would have multiple colors, multiple shapes, and multiple textures for their dogs who are colorblind, they don't care about shape <laughs> and texture doesn't matter. Creating a name like Beneful was this opportunity to say to that pet parent, you're doing everything that you can for that, for your pet. And we were brought in um, mid-range. They had the product idea, but they didn't quite know what to call it. Other times we're brought in really late in the game because as we've all been there working in the marketing arena, sometimes you have a name that you are going with. You have your packaging designed around it. You might even have your full ad campaign um, ready to go, or your marketing media campaign, social media campaign, ready to go, only to find at the last minute, you're not able to use the name. Maybe there's been a trademark uh, infringement, maybe there's been other things, but you still have to get that product out. And, and we've been in, pulled in literally in a matter of two plus weeks to try to get something done. It's not ideal because you're really working under the gun. Um, it's possible 
But really the best time to bring a naming consultant in is when you formulated your ideas of the products, you've worked on positioning, you may not have it 100% finalized, but you do want to convey a certain type of approach. And that's a really good time to bring that team in. In terms of the, in terms of what you do, Molly, from where you are in Minnesota, mm -hmm. which is a state I would love to come visit sometime, by the way. Don't come in February. Oh, well, definitely not. <laughs> Certainly in the summer. Go to, because Minnesota is one of the few cities, or Minneapolis, one of the few cities where you have all the pro teams and whatnot. Right. How has the pandemic, helped or hurt your your business knowing that you can really do this stuff virtually or have mm -hmm. you been ahead of the curve and been doing things virtually all along mm -hmm. um great question blaze and i would say we're a global company and we've been a global company for about 25 years so our work, uh, whether it is in a neighboring state or another continent, has, has always been virtual. Uh, certainly, much like all of us, we did a lot of business travel, airplane travel, face-to-face -face meetings. But we've always been set up to be able to host a meeting just like this, to be able to bring partners in from uh, around the world to discuss a topic. So for us, it wasn't a problem at all to shift to 100% virtual since we were set up to able to serve our clients that way. I'll tell you this, that it was interesting over the last nine months watching different clients of ours, and we work in virtually every industry from manufacturing to retail, et cetera, how they as workers adapted to having meetings like this, where they're all via Zoom or WebEx, et cetera. And um, the majority have found it to be an easy way to keep things moving and sometimes even more efficiently to the point you've probably seen this and heard this from many that uh, most won't be going back to international face-to-face -face travel in the degree that they once did. And even from a domestic face-to-face uh, -face type of travel seems to uh, be changing from uh, a go-forward perspective pretty significantly. Uh, Tom Trello and Blaze Bryan here speaking to Molly Young, founding principal of NameTag International. Molly is going to be giving a talk on January 13th at 1 p.m. Uh, go to the AMA's website to, to find out more details. Molly, um, it sounds like this can be a big investment for a company to, to, to do, go through the process of of making sure that the name is available, of uh, getting the, you know all the rights to that name, doing the research, testing the name. What if you're a small business who's just trying to get started? What rec who doesn't have that the kind of resources to do that? What What are your recommendations mm -hmm. for that that new entrepreneur? Oh, absolutely, Tom. And, and the steps are similar, but you can do them um, on your own. So again, whether you're a one person solo practitioner or you're a large uh, multinational company, we really recommend you start with strategy. If you're a small um, startup, what are you doing with the business? What's your objective? What do you want that target market to think about you? Who is that target market? Who are your competitors? What are they called? How are they using naming? What is going to be important to you? Is SEO critical to your business? And I would argue it's critical to everyone's. But is it particularly critical to the way that you're going to be selling uh, your product? So you really understand who 
is it that you're speaking to with the name? What is it about what you're offering that is unique or differentiated or important to you? And what can you do to think about creating names that capture that? So we actually offer, we've put together a tool that is almost a do-it-yourself naming handbook for uh, individuals that are thinking about this. And it starts with that. Who am I? Where am I going? Who is my audience I'm looking for? And what are the benefits? What are the things that audience is looking for from me? So if it turns out that you've got a lot of competitors, but you can deliver the fastest delivery, you know that your name needs to capture that energy, that spirit, that speed. Um, if you are something that is customer service focused and you really nail it, it compared to others that are trying to do the same thing, that's a nice way to capture that in a name. So instead of saying that you are doing, um, let's say, uh, marketing warfare, but you really want to be service oriented, maybe your name is instead of being market force, it's Servion, going, bringing service and going beyond. So there's different ways to think about that. So we encourage people to literally uh, get together, talk about what's important, build a list of things that are benefits, that are values, that are point of difference, and to look at how could you potentially create names that could bring that to life. Then, as you've heard me say, trademark's really important, but you can do this. Ideally, you want to have a trademark attorney, intellectual property attorney, work with you to evaluate your risk and do your filing, but you don't have to do that. You can go to the United States Patent and Trademark Office website, USPTO, and you can literally search in your category to see if that name is being used. So you can do your own due diligence. You can also do your own filing of the name, the actual paperwork in old school, but filing um, of trying to get the rights to that name. You can also do voice of customer research, but it's important to be objective. That's one of the things that sometimes is tricky if you're naming something either for yourself, about yourself, or uh, something that you are the sole proprietor, Sometimes it's hard to hear if something isn't exactly on point because it's your baby. So we always recommend that, that virtual board of directors or that voice of customer that gives you the feedback of, yes, that name means this to me and it's maybe exactly what you wanted, but it might be something that's very different. So we would encourage the same steps, but you can do it all on your own, just making sure you get some of that external feedback. Thank you. You mentioned SEO, and I think uh, certainly today um, you must be thinking about how a name is going to play in social media as you're developing mm -hmm. that name. But I would also think that some of the challenges, uh, and something you always want to do in marketing is be able to track you know, how that name is being used, how people are talking about mm -hmm. you. And, and so do you recommend people to use uh, either a unique spelling or the name that is not a common term to avoid those? so that when you do do their social media listening, they're not having to try and filter out all those more common usages of the name, if you, if you know what I'm talking right. about. Right, no, I do, I do know what you're asking. Um, I think in any situation, whether it be an SEO situation, whether it be a direct sales situation, or whether it be even a, a, a public relations perspective, the more that you can have a distinct identity and proprietary identity 
from everyone else that's trying to do the same thing, that gives you a jump ahead in anything. Thank you. I think this has really been extremely valuable insight. Wow. I, I'm, I'm super looking forward to the event on the 13th. As am I. I uh, can't wait to, uh, to hear the, the full uh, presentation. Um, people often use their own names when they launch their businesses. It's sort of a natural go-to. Is that always a good idea? Um, I would say that we tend to suggest that uh, if you are planning to be with that business and be the product of that business for perpetuity, then it might make some sense. If you have plans to potentially sell your business um, and be able to leave that business and not have to be attached to it for a long period of time, then uh, it's better to not have your own name in, in the product uh, or the, the service of that. The other thing is to be very careful whenever you put a name, whether it be a person's name, uh, a place name, or anything related to that, just being heads up about how meanings of names can change. And if you think about even jumping to a little bit different way of naming, but celebrity endorsers, just thinking about if that celebrity or that individual does something that's inappropriate, it really taints your brand. So really being thoughtful about that is something that's extremely important. And some people will use maybe not their own personal name, but maybe an origin or something that was important to them. I'm thinking about some of the colleges and universities that chose names from founders that now those founders, because of social justice exploration, have been determined to maybe have had some pretty inappropriate past activity. And so now they're having to change the name. Uh, for different reasons, nothing to do with um, with uh, enrollment or different things, just sort of the impression that the name is giving. Mm -hmm. I think of Kentucky Fried Chicken, who understood over time that fried had certain connotations right. and have just started to come to, to be KFC, right? And sort right. Of, uh, and, and avoid that term. Mm -hmm. And also represents a, a broader uh, product line offering as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, certainly people have to mm -hmm. be sensitive. Do you get involved with companies when they're considering changing their name also or making a change and to help them understand what they're losing in brand equity and what they would be gaining? Absolutely, Tom. We have something that's a tool called an Equitest audit, which essentially is a quantitative tool that helps you understand what are the strengths, what are the weaknesses, and what are the vulnerabilities of your existing name to determine should it stay, should it go, or should it be modified? And what do you risk if you make the change? Absolutely. Great. Are there certain trends in naming, certain conventions or styles that kind of come in and out of vogue? Definitely. It's interesting. Uh, so for a period of time, uh, let's say in healthcare, uh, where names about 20 years ago, if you think about health systems that are hospitals, clinics, et cetera, most of them had the names of health partners, med center, health span, health one, health this. And the trend then became, let's sound different than that because we are changing the way that we are trying to serve our communities. And so names that we would call inventive names came into favor. So an example would be instead of health partners, the name would be like Alina, 
all in alignment coming together or a name like Futura or things uh, for that perspective to try to be innovative sounding and future sounding. And now uh, there's a, a, a trend back and you'll see it, you are seeing it in um, retail with consumer packaged goods, with food, healthcare, et cetera, is to more of that real word familiar piece. So in healthcare, a number of um, examples would be a name like Oscar Health, uh, Joey Health, uh, Mr. Talbot's Health, to try to make things that are a bit more personal and real. Same thing with food. So right now, when, when people are stressed, comfort is really important. And so we're seeing that sneak back into naming also. Very interesting. Very interesting stuff. We are out of time, my friends. Uh, Molly Young is going to be doing an event for us here with AMA near Capital Region called the uh, Waiting the What is it? Playing the, the Game. game. Winning there the we go. Game. That's right. And I was, and it had nothing to do with the name of the event. I was just spacing out. Uh, you can find out more by going to amanycapital.org. The event is 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern on Wednesday, January 13th. Molly, this has been an absolute thrill and a treat to talk with you. Thank you for being so generous with your time with us here with the, the AMA Near Capital Region chapter on our Capital Marketer podcast. Thank you so much. Absolutely, Blaze. And thank you, Tom. It's been a pleasure. Molly, thank you. I look forward to the event on the 13th.